Welcome back to the Spring to Life podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm your host. I'm also your hormone health coach, fertility awareness educator, and Pilates instructor. I created the Spring to Life method to empower women to embrace their natural cycles, heal their hormones naturally, and live vibrantly. And this podcast is all about sharing information that helps you to do just that. And today I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Caroline, and she is a spiritual and holistic coach, a functional hormone specialist, and a yoga instructor. She's passionate about the nervous system and reminding people that we are nature and meant to live like animals, meaning simply. And I think I'd love to start there with um, reminding people that we are nature. What does that mean to you? Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I mean, obviously, Caitlin, our brands align super well. We're both in this space of like helping women into their flow, helping people back to, you know, understanding their bodies and being in sync. Um, And what I found with my experience through hormones, and I'll share a little bit about my story when we get there, but I just kept finding more and more that our physical bodies and what we go through on a monthly cycle as women and what men go through on a daily cycle with their hormones just aligns so well with what we see in nature, with the moon cycles, with the sun, with the four seasons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've really strayed as a society from this concept that, we're no different than the trees and the birds and the squirrels. And I know it gets like a little woo-woo and a little crunchy when we talk about that, but we really are the same. And we just sort of created a lifestyle where we live inside of boxes and inside cars all day. So we don't actually interact so much with the elements, but I think it's so important to figure out. And that's what I'm in the business of doing is figuring out because we're moving forward. We're not moving back. How do we integrate this relationship with our bodies and with the elements and with the concept that we're we are nature into this modern day society that we're living into? So yeah, I love that. And I think it's so true. Like this modern society that we live in makes it so easy to disconnect from our natural cycles. In fact, like most of us are completely unaware of it unless you go searching for that information. And I've been living in a much further north place this past year than I have been for a while. So I'm experiencing seasons for the first time in almost a decade. And uh, as much as I was trying to escape winter by moving to Southern California um, eight or 10 years ago, I have really been enjoying it in in this season of my life because I have more connection to my inner cycles and it makes it, I don't, I think it kind of makes it easier to deal, not deal with, I don't want to say deal with the winter, but to kind of navigate the like darkness and the cold and understanding that is a time to kind of pull back and to rest and restore. And then like things are going to come back around in the spring. Mm-hmm. Um so what you kind of mentioned your own hormone ge- hormone health journey, how did you kind of come to the be in this place that you're in today? Yeah. So, I mean, from everything, I take a holistic approach. So my story kind of begins with me going to college and I went to this really big college in Virginia. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I was just kind of going with the flow because that's what people do. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a major. I couldn't pick one out. I had no idea what I was doing there. I was looking around at all these people like, do you really know what you're doing here? Does anyone really know what we're doing here? And um, yeah, I felt really lost and I felt confused. And then um, I transferred to a school by my parents and moved back home. I was just feeling really lost, you know, and we all have these moments we can relate to where we're feeling lost or these dark nights of the soul. But um, I was really seeking and I joined a meditation group and eventually landed into like a religious community. Um, I grew up Christian and I grew up Baptist, which is a very strict form of Christianity in America. And um, I just landed into this kind of like 
rigidity and um that had like in my searching for spirituality that had such a profound effect on me because it put me through a lot of feelings of shame or blame and you know going from a feeling of loss thinking i was being found and then feeling even further lost along the way um my body started to break down like i really started so my body came to my period came to a full stop and within about 2 months i gained 20 pounds i had never had acne i broke out all over in cystic acne i was experiencing the bloating the inflammation um all sorts of things so I went to the doctor, obviously, and I was told by my female doctor at the time that, well, honey, it sounds like this is just your body now. And I was like, oh, no, this cannot be my body now. I thought I was like, I was really struggling with my mental health, obviously, mm -hmm. Um and I was just like, I will not accept that answer. No. Um, so I went to an endocrinologist. I went to a cardiologist. So I was having heart palpitations, ultrasounds in my heart, stress tests, ultrasounds in my ovaries. I had a colonoscopy because I was having digestive issues. Like, you name it, I had it. No one could find anything wrong, really. And I was frustrated by that. Um, and along the way, I just kept going on this journey. Like, I can't say in the place I was in, I had unshakable hope or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But I did have just an awareness that I didn't really, like, resonate with the answers I was getting. And I didn't resonate with the version of myself that I was being. And so there had to be something deeper. And that's why in the work that I do, I call myself a spiritual and holistic coach because it's all things. Mm -hmm. It's emotional, it's spiritual, it's physical, it's all of it. Everything is connected. Mm -hmm. Everything Absolutely. is connected. And you kind of have to I think go through that journey, like especially maybe for um, our generation. Like I hope that the work that we're doing kind of changes things for women that come after us, that they don't have to suffer as much. But I can totally relate to your story of just kind of feeling like your body's working against you and like you don't know what's going on or how to stop it. And I also like. I was dealing in my 20s with lots of similar symptoms, but I actually didn't seek out medical help right away. It kind of felt to me, it was like, I'm getting older and now I have migraines and like, I didn't have acne when I was a teenager, but I guess I have acne now. And it's just like, okay, all of these things are happening to me. My body is doing this and it's, you kind of feel helpless and it's like, unless you have the resolve to really seek answers and go against the grain, um, you're just kind of left to accept those circumstances. So what was your first step of kind of pulling yourself out of that place? Yeah. So, you know, I, the gynecologist gave me birth control, but it actually didn't help. Mm -hmm. um, I went on antibiotics wiped out my digestive tract. Um, I did try a lot of Western forms of fixing some things within my body. Um, but then I just went on to, I mean, really what was, I think, bothering me the most was that I had always gone, I got my period when I was 11 to 19 years old, I had always had a regular period. So the thing that stuck mm. out to me the most with my body was the hormones and mm -hmm. a lot of the symptoms I was having, like the hot flashes and the weight gain and the acne seemed hormonally related. So mm -hmm. I just dug in, like I just started reading books and doing research. I learned about PCOS and I was like, oh, this must be what I have. Um, so I dug into knowledge about PCOS. I got really into like Alyssa Vitti's work and mm -hmm. um, 
learned about the four phases of my cycle, learned what to eat and how to, you know, better nourish my body. And Mm -hmm. from that came a nourishing of my lifestyle and nourishing of my emotions and just a freedom. And if there's one thing I could drive home about this too, is like, this has been on my heart a lot lately is from the outside looking in, I think sometimes this work can look like hard because you have to implement a lot of lifestyle changes. And at first, maybe it is, but Mm -hmm. this is really, it's a freedom, like knowing your body, knowing the four phases of your cycle, understanding yourself in a holistic way and how to work with yourself and work with your lifestyle. That's freedom. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And I feel like, I think maybe we had similar, when you learn about the four phases of your cycle. I feel like that's just like this light bulb moment where you're like, oh, like Mm -hmm. I'm not supposed to feel exactly the same way every single day. And it can feel difficult when you're not accustomed to that to implement that in your life. But is it more difficult than grinding against yourself for the rest of your life? Like you have this choice of like, do you learn to work with your body or do you just continue down the same path, which maybe has you feeling miserable or sick or uninspired by your life? Exactly. Yeah. With that. So is that kind of when you went into functional hormone, your education with that, or did that come later on? That came that came actually this past year in 2023. I had all this knowledge. I was really like excited about it. I was teaching yoga workshops already, um, just teaching people about their hormones. And I I wanted a deeper understanding on a more scientific level and Mm -hmm. just how to apply this in work with women. And so Mm -hmm. I went and got a certification for functional hormone specialists. Um, So just having that under my belt helps me so much to just have more knowledge and updated research because this field is just booming and evolving. Yes, ever changing. And finally, research is being done on these topics. And we're finally being uh, validated in things that we've like known intuitively for so long, which is really cool. I saw recently, uh, you shared in your Instagram stories kind of dealing with the symptoms of PMDD. And on a personal level, I totally relate to that because along my journey of like figuring out hormonal balance and figuring out what the best form of contraception is, I decided to go the route of the copper IUD for a short period of time. And I wanted to try that because I thought, oh, this doesn't have the hormones in it. Hopefully I'm going to still be able to track my fertile biomarkers and just have a normal cycle and still have that peace of mind, you know, that, that protection, not the case, not the case um, that I know now that the copper really is toxic to our bodies. And it also, um, it really messes with your fertile biomarkers. You don't see, um, regular patterns with that. So it can be really confusing. On top of that, the emotional shift that I felt during the luteal phase of my cycle approaching my period was crazy. Like Mm. I was anxious, depressed, like, uh, you know, just feeling like nothing I'm doing matters and just feeling so down and depressed about things. Um, And it was really cyclical. And I thought I must have PMDD that, you know, this has to be what this is. I've never felt such intense fluctuations in my emotions before. And it's really difficult to navigate because especially if you have like, if you're on hormonal contraceptive or non-hormonal contraceptive, that is kind of playing into that. There's not a lot of control you have over the situation So what has been your experience with PMDD and those types of symptoms, navigating them? Yeah. So let's just break down what PMDD is for anyone that doesn't know. So PMDD is a just like super intense form of PMS, basically. Um, And it's technically a dysphoric disorder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's 
you know, I think sometimes our society gets super slap happy with labels Mm -hmm. and we need to like label everything something, but I like to just call things an experience and everyone has their own experience. And sometimes we don't fit into a box, right? Like one person's form of anxiety can look totally different than another person's form of anxiety or depression Mm -hmm. or any of these things. So just take that with a grain of salt. I like to just introduce that, but Mm -hmm. it's basically a super intense form of PMS Mm -hmm. and you know, why people have it is somewhat unclear, but I just read a statistic recently that 83% study done that showed that 83% of women with PMDD had some sort of trauma in their childhood. And so I can't really think about PMDD without thinking about nervous system regulation and the way that I relate it spiritually, because Mm -hmm. what I think about the cycle and the luteal phase is the luteal phase is our inner autumn, and it's where we turn inward. And a lot of times it's what comes up for us right before we shed, Mm -hmm. right before our menstrual phase, when we begin to release and we begin to shed. And on a spiritual level, I do think that it's a lot of times, sometimes our soul is tugging on us for certain things or certain things in our body come up more because mm-hmm. we're building kind of that lining in our uterus and we're building up things that come up for us that we need to address. Mm-hmm. So. I do think that during our luteal phase, we have this experience of things coming up for us that we need to address or it will come up over and over again. Um, And so when we see extreme cases of PMS or PMDD, um, you see with PMS, insomnia, maybe a little bit of trouble sleeping, some anxiety, our amygdala is more activated in our luteal phase. So we experience a little bit more like criticism and, you know, the fatigue, a little bit of bloating, but it's rather manageable. Mm -hmm. Um, But with PMDD, it's a little less manageable. Those experiences of anxiety can become a little bit more intense. Sometimes It can lead to extreme mood swings, feelings of suicidal thoughts. Um, It can be a little bit more taxing on the body, more hot flashes, things like that. So it's just a more intense fluctuation. And with my experience of that, yeah, I mean, I, my fiance, Evan, he said to me one time, like, I feel like you're like two weeks on, two weeks off. And I'm like, yeah, me too. (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) how I feel. Like, and I mean, he's so great and supportive. I'm really lucky to have a man in my life who really like gets it and supports me in that. But um, yeah, I mean, PMDD can feel like you only have two good weeks a month and then the rest, or even like, at one point I really thought I was bipolar because you have these like two extremes where you're like teetering between. But what I found in managing the PMDD and the PMS um, is that it's so, I mean, just like syncing with our cycle, it's so helpful to know and predict when we're going to be moving into our luteal phase. So we can do things that really nourish us and meet us in this phase with compassion. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think just having the awareness of where you're at in your cycle can really help prepare you for that. And what you said about, you know, maybe some trauma surfacing or whatever it is that we need to shed. I think that that, that makes sense. And because, you know, when I was like, dealing with that kind of intensified situation. The only thing I started listening to some different podcasts and there's really not a lot of content or awareness out there for PMDD. I'm starting to see more um, creators and practitioners, you know, coming up with um, 
you know, just even validating this experience, because I think a lot of women that maybe go to their doctor with these symptoms are brushed off and like, it's your cycle, it's your PMS, you know, whatever. But the thing that helped me the most was actually a journaling practice at the beginning of the day to just set my mind right of like, mm-hmm. brain dumping all of the old shit, excuse my language, but like, get the past out, find gratitude in the present, and then think future positively. Like I had to really like, shift my mindset in order to like, get myself through that day. And now I know like, there's also like nutrient deficiencies and things that you can be supplementing to help like kind of fill the gap a little bit. But I think there is definitely that mental hurdle that you have to overcome and or deal with or confront or face. (laughs) So does that kind of play into also like the spiritual work that you do when you're working with women in this capacity? Yeah, totally. And it sounds like that practice that you described is like brain rewiring. And that's Mm -hmm. a lot of what nourishing your nervous system is doing too. It's really rewiring your nervous system. And so when we talk about that 83% of women have trauma um, early on, it's like when we talk about trauma and nervous system regulation, trauma doesn't have to be some like big event that happened to you. It, It absolutely can be, but what trauma really is, it's just trapped survival energy in your body. Mm. And that could have happened for any reason. It's just the way your nervous system responded to an event. So I always use the analogy of like, it could have been you're, you were so hungry one day and your mom told you, you couldn't have a lollipop at the bank Mm -hmm. and your, your nervous system felt threatened by not getting that thing that you wanted in that moment. And so it doesn't always have to be this big T trauma can be mm-hmm. that survival energy gets stuck in our bodies. And so mm-hmm. the, the nervous system is really an umbrella for, like I really see it as an overarching umbrella over our immune system, over our digestive system, over the endocrine system. So mm-hmm. we can have all these symptoms, digestive, IBS, we can have autoimmune, we can have hormone imbalances, and we can try to work on those. But if our nervous system is still dysregulated, it mm-hmm. is going to still move around because it's it's really the overarching umbrella. It's our survival primal survival instinct. So we've mm-hmm. got to get our bodies into a state of calm and regulation so that we can rest and digest. And that takes a lot of work on a soul level, on a physical level, on a mental level, like you said. Um, but it's so worth it. So worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And when you're talking about nervous system regulation, this is a conversation that I've had in the past on the podcast, but it's been a while. So I think it's great to kind of give the audience an idea of what that means, because yes, our nervous system is responding to stress. Regulating our nervous system doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be able to remove stress from our lives. So can you kind of explain what it means to have a regulated nervous system? Yeah. So the nervous system is simply our fight or flight instinct. So we think that we have some sort of threat to our safety and our body goes into automatic survival state. And so with stress, that can happen to us too. But what Caitlin's saying here so beautifully is that stress can really impact our nervous system by if we have kind of a limited ability to respond to that stress because our nervous system is dysregulated, we can get really kind of dysregulated very easily, but we want to expand that window. We want to be able to witness some things and kind of take a step back and be able to sit with any uncomfortable sensations, any uncomfortable symptoms, and really expand our ability to handle stress without our body thinking that we're going to die 
if we mm-hmm. don't handle it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beautifully said. Yeah. It's being resilient, building up mm-hmm. strength to like deal with whatever our lives are throwing at us. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, so what does your work look like now? I know you also have a candle company too, mm-hmm. right? So you're mm-hmm. coaching, you're making candles, you're teaching yoga. What is your what does your work look like these days? Yeah. So I teach yoga at various local studios by me. Mm-hmm. I um have a non-toxic um candle company, which was born in 2022 out of just sheer like I wanted non-toxic candles for myself, was having a hard time finding cute ones that I liked and wanted to just put a product out there that other people would like as well. And candles, as we know, are super endocrine disrupting, filled Mm -hmm. with chemicals and fragrances. So I was really happy to make that product and still love selling them. And then, yeah, I just started taking clients one-on-one. I'm you know, a little bit newer in the space. So I want to just continue building up um, an online community, building up workshops for people and just like being a light and helping people see that there's a better way to live, um, that we can be aligned with nature, encourage people to nourish their nervous system and move into really a new spiritual paradigm where we see things Mm. more holistically. Yes. And I think the more voices we have, like amplifying this message and transforming women's lives, like it's just going to make it a different world for women to live in, uh, you know, more cohesive and like in flow, I guess. Um, oh, that's so, the hope, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hope. That's what we're doing here. Exactly. And hopefully we will be combining forces to be sharing the cyclical nature of our bodies and the way that can be reflected in movement in a nourishing way. Um, That's my favorite way to just kind of like reflect it, I think, and, and give that um, to people that don't are not familiar with it. I think that that gives a really clear feeling of what that means to like have those fluctuations when you can like uh, lift up the energy, bring it down and like, be like, oh yeah, I do have days where I'm tired and I don't want to push myself super hard and you don't have to, you know, of course there's always things we have to do, you know, to get things done, but trying to weave it into our cycle is so important. That's a great point. I love that point. And I love your emphasis on like feeling the fluctuations in our body. Cause You know, we can get so in our head and intellectual about all this stuff, but we have to, on some level every month, embody it and feel it in our body. So the more we can practice that on a somatic level and getting into those somatic bodily energy moving Mm -hmm. through it, um, the better we can, it's a practice, right? Mm -hmm. So the better we, when we practice things, we can implement them better. Absolutely. And I was actually, last night I was writing some copy for my website in terms of like the cyclical Pilates aspect of what I offer. And yes, 100%, I want women to be living with their natural cycles and like understanding their hormonal fluctuations. But I also understand that that can be really intimidating, especially if somebody is still on hormonal contraceptives or reliant on birth control. and the truth is this practice is really about tuning into your own energy. So even if you're not in the place where you are living with your natural cycle, you can still start to listen to your body. Cause I think we have kind of set this precedent where we are tuning out. Like we, if we're talking about like the symptoms that we were experiencing in our twenties, like, that until I really like let down the wall and like, thought, okay, maybe I need to like look at what's going on inside my body to figure out why these symptoms are surfacing. It felt like, okay, this is like this separate thing that is going on and I'm dealing with it. Um, like my body is doing this to me, but really when you start to work with your body, understand your energy, kind of tune into what you're feeling. It's so much easier to navigate 
everything that's going on. You can have a smoother transition if transitioning to your natural cycle is your eventual goal. Um, so it's really about kind of connecting with your intuition. Mm, I love that so much. That was kind of just my rant, I guess. That's awesome. That, but... No, it's I love it. And it's really good point for for those people who are still on the contraceptives and who maybe aren't totally in tune with their hormones or in tune with their body in this way. And they have that kind of barrier in between themselves, their intuition, their hormones, their body. Um, that's a great, that's a great way of introducing it and getting them started. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just ask yourself what you're feeling and mm -hmm. try to try to give yourself an honest answer too. I think that that can be the difficult part. Um, it takes time. Something that I wanted to ask you about today, I think we have a shared love for coffee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so coffee and hormones, especially female hormones, it's usually kind of put out there. I was like, okay, this is a no-go. Like you should not be drinking coffee if you want to really heal your hormones. And I do, like, I've definitely cut back. I used to work at in specialty coffee. I worked at a micro roaster, did the coffee tastings, like lived on coffee that probably played into a lot of the things I dealt with in my twenties. Um, and then also like once I kind of started to open myself up to this work, I was at a place of like complete burnout, living off of coffee for the first like two thirds of my day, no food. And it, it was not serving me well. <laughs> it definitely was yeah. not serving me well, but I am not somebody who loves matcha. I cannot really drink tea in the morning on an empty stomach. It really upsets my stomach. And I've tried the coffee alternatives and it's just, it's been hard to give up coffee. And on your story this morning, you said coffee is a hard drug. Mm -hmm. I <laughs> firmly I like, do believe that. <laughs> wake up call. Because <laughs> I still drink some coffee and at this point, I'm like, okay, I really enjoy it. I feel like that is like a plus side for me. I try to get organic coffee because coffee can actually be really moldy, which is really gross. So that's like a double no-no <laughs> for you. So I try to source like good quality coffee and have like a single cup a day, but I still know that it's not serving me the best. Um, mm -hmm. So maybe what's your relationship with caffeine and coffee been? So my mother was a coffee is I should say is she's with us um <laughs> she is a coffee fiend but growing up she was always super addicted to coffee she got me super addicted to coffee and um yeah I just always was like this is just my vice and I'll never give it up like I don't mm -hmm. care I'll just never give it up and then like this past year, 2023, I finally got like a real calling within me that was like, you got to give this up. And I was like, mm -hmm. no, <laughs> and I'm still working on it. It's a work mm -hmm. in progress. But why I say it's a hard drug is if you go to any deep into any like herbalism communities, traditional Chinese medicine, Ayurveda, there is a reverence for caffeine. It is... Mm -hmm. Some people call it a psychedelic. Mm -hmm. Like it is just, it's just very normalized mm -hmm. in our culture and it's legal, similar to alcohol, but, but it's, it's strong stuff. You know, mm -hmm. it has the power to really like kick up your adrenaline, spike your cortisol, mm -hmm. pump up your heart rate, make your blood flow faster. Like what it's doing to your body is pretty intense. Mm -hmm. And we just normalize it. So in college, I would have like five cups a day and like stay up all night and study. And mm -hmm. that was just normal. But yeah, I mean, it having been addicted to coffee since I was probably like 14, 15 years old, um, it is super addictive. When I first, the only time probably in the past 13 years prior to giving it up for the month that I did um, was like, if I had the stomach bug, that was probably the only time I didn't have coffee mm -hmm. for a day. Um, but I gave it up back in September and the first three days I wasn't 
expecting how hard it was going to be. I was like fully in a dark room, could barely open my eyes, sweating, like full withdrawal symptoms. And Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, like my body hurt. Mm -hmm. I was not expecting that. And yeah, so we, I do think that there's like a reverence that we need to start having for it, especially in the women's community, because Mm -hmm. I think that women for our hormones, for our cortisol levels, for our blood sugar regulation, we do have to be careful with it. Yeah. The withdrawal symptoms are real. I Mm -hmm. um, have suffered many headaches (laughs) trying to wean myself off of coffee. Like, But Um, you're the reverence that uh, is there in the herbal community. That totally makes sense because historically it wasn't something that was like super abundant and like available to everybody. Like if you think of the places that it naturally grows in like central and South America and in Africa, um, I think a little bit in Indonesia and like places like that, it's definitely not like a European crop. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, I would say that's probably where our ancestry (laughs) has come from for the most part is not something that most of us historically had like a ton of access to. And now it's become so prevalent, like many things in our, our culture, but we just don't think about the effects, but people really are addicted to it. And I I challenge anybody that's listening that, you know, goes on two or three cups of coffee a day to even just cut back by one cup a day. And it is really difficult. Mm -hmm. So did you just quit cold turkey or did you, after you had some withdrawal, you had to kind of reassess your um, relationship with it? I quit cold turkey. I just, like I said, had a calling and I was like, I got to give this stuff up. It has too much of a stronghold on me and I don't want anything to have a stronghold on me like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I gave it up and I did last, I would say like probably six weeks, but it got to a point where I just could not get things done the way I needed to. Like the Mm -hmm. productivity just wasn't there and life keeps lifing. So Mm -hmm. I'm working on it. I would say I might wait till after my wedding because I have a lot to do right now to get ready for that. Um, But yeah, especially as I plan to have kids um, in the future, I would like to really wean back on that for my hormones, Mm -hmm. really prepare myself for fertility in that way. Yeah, I totally understand that. And that's definitely when I'm working with any clients especially if there's like burnout or any dysregulation like that. It's like, you got to start to wean yourself off because too much change at once is going to just like really feel miserable, probably. Mm -hmm. So even just challenging yourself to like cut back, cut back, maybe start to swap things out and see what works, you know? Yeah. Like a, maybe like a half cap decaf situation and then slowly Mm -hmm. go to full decaf and then slowly scale back. I really did love the olive mush though, that I had this morning. It was really good. That's actually what I'm drinking now. I, I challenged myself not to have a cup of coffee this morning and I try to keep it somewhat cyclical where I know that I'll manage it better in the first half of my cycle. And it's just going to like feed into my anxiety and like whatever I'm feeling in my luteal phase. So I try to cycle it that way, but it doesn't always work out like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you talk about coffee alternatives, I don't know if you've tried very many, but it's usually like some type of mushroom um, concoction. And I've tried, it feels like so many, at least a handful of them. And they literally make me puke. They <laughs> taste like, yeah, they taste like bone broth to me. And it's just like, not that's not a cozy cup of coffee, you know, no, the bone broth like, taste. No, it's not um, like, I guess you can't really ask for an identical you know, <laughs> no. swap for coffee. Um, but but cacao, yeah. cacao is a, like a stimulating heart opener the way that mm-hmm. coffee is as an herb. And so I think the olive mush 
well, it has cacao in it. And I think the Mm -hmm. cinnamon gives it that cozy flavor. Mm -hmm. And there's almost like a little zing from the ginger and turmeric too, Mm -hmm. that I think really, really kind of worked. And um, so I really liked that. The matcha, I, I also really do like matcha. Mm-hmm. It's a little like grassy though. So if you don't mm-hmm. like that kind of like bitter, like grassy taste, then it's not coffee. It's not a coffee, like yeah. similar tasting thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to, I was like, oh, maybe I can just be a matcha girly, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I tried a couple different times, but for some reason... I can't really drink green tea anymore. That upsets my stomach, either whether I've had food or not. And I don't really know why that is. I'm okay with herbal teas, but I don't know. When I was like teenager, my mom was a tea drinker um, growing up. So she was always drinking like Earl Grey and um, English breakfast tea. So I grew up having tea like that, but I don't know what something changed and my stomach just does not tolerate like black teas or green teas anymore Hmm. so I was like okay well I actually just recently tried I was like I'm gonna try matcha one more time (laughs) it's like no it's just not for me Mm. um so I'm glad I'm glad that I found the olive mush because giving up coffee is really difficult for me and it's also really difficult to find something that is palatable. So this kind of like fills that gap. It doesn't taste like coffee, but it has that same kind of like coziness to it without it making it feel nauseous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is is matcha your main swap then these days? I would swatch uh, I would swatch. I would <laughs> swap uh matcha yeah, and there's like the Tia Chinos, although those don't totally oh, yeah. do it for me. I got to put like four bags of the tea in there for it to be like a really strong, bitter mm-hmm. coffee taste. But those are good too. I have those. Um, but I also just really like cacao as an alternative because mm-hmm. that cacao and cinnamon, like that combination is cozy and delicious. So that's a good swap. Yes, I do love cacao. I think I was on like a cacao kick for a while. And then somebody brought up to me again, the lead contamination in cacao and like Mm. threw me off. And I was like, oh, like nothing is (laughs) nothing is pure anymore. Um, Do you have a favorite type of cacao that you go for? I don't. I'm not a cacao connoisseur, so I don't Mm -hmm. have like a special lead-free one that I could recommend um, at the moment. But if I ever do, I'll let you know. Okay. Thank you. I know. (laughs) I was like, I don't know. Is this even a rabbit hole that I want to go down right now? Like, I feel like I have to pick and choose Mm. my battles. Like, you get a couple things under your belt and you ride smooth with that for a while and then tackle a couple more things. You can't overwhelm yourself too much. That's that's so true. And maybe we could talk about that too. Just like when going non-toxic, how overwhelming Mm. it can be when you're like, you know, and I think kind of what I was saying before about changing your lifestyle and how from the outside looking in, this can feel like a jail because Mm -hmm. you're, you're like having to give up so many things and you can only eat this and this has lead in it. And yes, but you, like you said, perfectly, you pick and choose your battles and some th- you move slowly. It's not an overhaul all at once. And I really want to emphasize to my clients and people that listen to this too, like if it becomes a jail cell and if it becomes this miserable thing where you're like controlling and trying to like monitor everything, like let it go, mm-hmm. you know, like come back to the basics. The most important things for me is making sure people get like sunlight, fresh air, get some nutrients, drink water, and move your body. Like Mm -hmm. those are my five basic things. And slowly and surely the other things trickle in. But if it becomes too controlling and this like miserable space in your head, throw it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, I think that that is so true. And yeah, it does become over. even for me still like going to the grocery store. Like I am passionate, like I love food. I love having good nourishing food. 
And I'm also really aware of all of the contaminants, like the pesticides and the additives and things that are in our food. And I think probably because I was dealing with a lot of digestive issues at the onset of like me figuring out my symptoms and healing my hormones and things, I had to really shift from what I thought was healthy eating into like true healthy eating. And that meant, you know, cutting out a lot of processed foods that were like supposed to be clean. And then also becoming aware of like the pesticides. And now like, I feel like I'm in a good place with my digestion. It doesn't mean that I want to start to add in a bunch of like processed food again. But even with the produce, I get like, I sometimes stand in the produce section of the grocery store. And I'm like, I want to get all of the organic produce because I know that these are sprayed with pesticides. I actually just was talking on my stories the other day because I found out that the citrus in my grocery store has the peel uh, coating mm-hmm. on it. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> What's you know, it called? Love- Organa peel? Um, this one said peels with a Z. Um, okay. So I was like, hmm, that sounds really similar to a peel. <laughs> so yeah. I went and asked the um, the stalker in the produce section. He was like, oh yeah, and probably the ones that don't have that sticker also have the coating on it too. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, I can't win. Um, So it's like, okay, do you drive yourself crazy? Do you run up your grocery bill, um, you know, trying to like protect yourself? Is that stress worth the stress that you're avoiding? So you kind of have to like weigh out what is like the balance that I need to strike. And like, if you're having digestive distress, starting with your food is probably a good place. Do you need to like throw out everything in your house immediately and change everything to non-toxic? No, like it's a process and, you know, it can be done sustainably. One of my favorite things is to save big glass jars, you know, clean the labels off and use that as food storage instead of spending a ton of money on new um, glass Pyrex dishes or whatever it is. How do you kind of deal with that, finding that balance in life? Yeah, I love that. And yeah, I mean, like cleaning vinegar. I mean, just like vinegar, a big bottle of vinegar and water, and I use a spray bottle, and like that's how I clean. And when it comes to food, I am really spoiled. I have um, a, we have a market here that sells, like, they are very picky about things mm-hmm. they let in their market. So, they don't use those peels on any of their citrus. They are all organic. You won't really find any produce there that's not organic. And mm-hmm. they sell raw dairy. So I'm very, very spoiled in that way. But another way that I really love is um, I joined an organic CSA last year for the first mm. time. And that was amazing. Not only because you're getting so much produce and a week, and but The experience of going to a farm, bringing your basket, picking everything, meeting people in that community, I I mean, I just felt like it kind of gave, we are so disconnected from Mm -hmm. the work that it takes to grow our food Mm -hmm. that it was just such a reminder of how hard the farmers work all year round to produce those crops. And then we go and we, you know, I sift through the bees and the bugs to go pick my tomatoes and they're so fresh and delicious. And I think that's just such another beautiful way to like connect with our food, but growing your own food as well. If you have the space for it, like behind Mm -hmm. me, I have a little rosemary plant. I just had Mm -hmm. a mint plant, cilantro. So I try to like buy some plants that I can plant myself. Yeah. And then you know kind of what's in your soil and what's going into the plant itself. Yeah, that's great advice. I love CSAs. Uh, last The last year that I was living in California, I was a part of a CSA and they did um, home delivery for the boxes, but you got this giant box of seasonal produce and it was so awesome to be able to also because they were 
you know, selecting what was in season, it was like, okay, this is what I have to work with. So what I like, it was taking a little bit of like, the planning off of my brain where I'd be like, okay, now I have these things to work with. What can we make with this? Um, Yeah. And it introduces maybe new foods you've never tried before. Like I got all Mm -hmm. sorts of different vegetables I never even knew existed. And then I'd have to Mm -hmm. look up a recipe or figure out how to use it, which was just fun. Yes. And I think eating that way is also so important going back to what you were talking about at the very beginning of being in tune with our seasons. Like, you know, it's dead of winter here in Montana. I'm not eating papayas, you know, or anything like that. Really, there's not, honestly, there's not a lot of great produce available to me now. So my options are like either frozen berries, which I think is always a great alternative, especially if like your produce is really expensive or just going with what you know is in season, which right now, like oranges, citrus, that's, I've been eating a lot of oranges and apples. That's what we've got here. That looks good. But knowing that then as the seasons change, it's going to change what is in season in the store and what is, you know, reasonably priced to be eating. So it's kind of being becoming aware of that too, because it's also good for your microbiome to have that variance in what you're eating throughout the year. Totally. Yeah. That's a great point. Yes. I always love, I wish, I don't think I have a CSA option up here just because the growing season is so short. Um, But there definitely are farmer's markets that pop up once the weather starts to warm up. Yeah. And like you said, it's not only the the food itself, but it's the experience of being in tune with the seasons and all of that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I love that. Well, is there anything that you would like to leave the audience with Caroline before we wrap things up? Yeah. I mean, I just want to drive home everything we talked about today, as far as nervous system dysregulation, just like checking in with yourself always on a holistic level. And again, driving home the point of like, we talked about a lot of things today, changes you Mm -hmm. can make and swaps you can make and foods you can eat, but like be gentle with yourself wherever you are in this journey and know that wherever you are is perfect. Even the fact that you're listening to this right now means that you're, you're, you know, on your way. And again, if it ever gets to a point where it feels rules and like rigidity, just come back to the basics and, Mm -hmm. and really just go inward. Yes. You want to keep that joy in your life yeah. so you have to find whatever that like pocket of joy is for you and really embrace that along with anything else that you might be changing in your life. I think that's really well said. Yeah. We want this work to feel like freedom and feel expansive and feel hopeful and joyful and really just change the paradigm in women's health. So mm-hmm. we want it to feel really, really good. Yes. And actually kind of like a an image that came up when you were discussing this previously is when you enter this type of lifestyle, like you might be closing the door on like some of the things that weren't serving you previously, but you're opening up so many other doors of feeling really vibrantly healthy and, you know, being able to experience different things in your life. So it's never, um, it's never meant to be something that like closes you in. It's meant mm-hmm. to be, like you said, something expansive. I think that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you. So thank you for joining me, Caroline. I have really enjoyed talking to you today. I'm sure the audience is going to love this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate your subscriptions to the show, any ratings and reviews that you leave, and I'll talk to you next week.